0: following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings, starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motuke Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available seven double nine one thousand. reading from the book of
1: Deuteronomy, chapter number six, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses one down to verse seven. Our sermon this morning will be brought by Papa John. He'll be speaking on the title of "Fathers Listening and Leading." I hope if you're a dad today that you've come with your heart prepared. How can you better serve your family? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. Thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son, thy son's son, all the days of thy life. That thy days may be prolonged, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart." And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up.
0: This is the reading of the Lord's Word. So I think that was an illustration of where I'm going this morning, as our brothers are an example, and I can use the term, within the church of God in Port Moresby. Those men are fathers to us. They've been saved a long time, been through many trials and afflictions, but the fire has never gone out. This morning, I'm going to be speaking to fathers, but I trust by the Holy Spirit of God, it'll touch your heart as well, men, ladies, young people. But this morning, as I take us to Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want you to realize that we are walking a path that isn't even just to the 1980s and 1990s at Maranatha. We're not walking a path that just goes to the history of the American church and even the church that would give us our heritage of our scriptures in English and missionary movements. We're not even talking about something that goes to the Middle Ages or even to the time of Jesus himself. But as we look today at these verses here, we are looking 1,400 years before Jesus was born. On our calendar, this would be 3,400 years old, the words that we read, ancient words. And these words, as we read them today, they are as relevant and true and powerful as they were the day Moses spoke them, standing on the river plain of jordan looking across jericho in the distance moses knowing god told me i cannot cross this river joshua sitting on the front row and as moses addresses two million people these words of god are the words of moses as an encouragement to his people we read the scripture as god's word and many times it is thus saith the lord but when you read Hear this, this is thus says Moses. This is a father sending his people into the promised land. He has just recited for them the Ten Commandments in chapter 5. But this is from the heart of a father to the hearts of the fathers. Forgive me if I take a liberty, but since this is so ancient, For those of you that don't know, I'm director of a Bible college here and we teach a lot of different things, but one of the things we look at is our Hebrew heritage and culture. You don't need this to pray to God, it doesn't help you a bit, in fact it's quite hot if you're not sitting in air conditioning. But this, this is how the Jewish men will pray, not just 3,400 years ago, but today. What you heard today is known as the Shema. The Shema is prayed by Israelites in the morning and in the afternoon if they're faithful to God. And they're only faithful to God if their fathers taught them and if their fathers taught them. I'd like to read the Shema for you. I think she put the slide up there. In Hebrew, this is what it would sound like. Shema, Israel, Adonai. Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. We have it in English. makes much more sense to me in English than it does in Hebrew. When we read in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, Shema, Israel, the Lord our God, Adonai, Eloheinu. The Lord our God is one Lord. He is one. He's not ten. This is the statement of a monotheistic religion amidst Religions that surrounded the Israelites. And if you know the history of Israel, do you know what their main sin was over and over and over again? Idolatry, multiplying gods to themselves. And this was to be something they recited every day to remind them there is one God and one mediator for us Christians. The name above every name, Jesus Christ. So lest you think we have to continue with this, I'm going to take this off. Because I'm thankful that I don't need a prayer shawl and talits and a skullcap to talk to my God. Jesus intercedes for me. And this morning, I'd like to talk to you about fathers listening and leading. Let's pray. Father, this ancient Hebrew prayer that covers so much more than what I just introduced. How how could your people still miss it? I have no idea. But today, God, would you not let us miss it? Will you let the truths of your word, both from the Old and New Testaments, become living words today that change us and transform us? Father, if there is a father here or a young person or an older person, God, anyone who doesn't know Jesus today, this is what we need is Jesus. Father, speak to our hearts. Glorify your son. We thank you for your grace, your goodness bless this hour for Jesus' sake. Amen. There are five words that pop out of this text to me here today. Those words are hear, love, be, teach, and talk. Hear, love, be, teach, and talk. I'd like to start in verses three and four where we see the word hear twice. When you read your Bible, when words are repeated, those are emphatic. That is actually a Hebrew way of, of talking. Have you ever heard your dad say to you, son, son, listen to me, son? You know when he got to that second son. American culture, when your mom is upset at you, she uses your middle name. We we have a first name and a middle name and a last name. When you when mom uses your middle name, you are dead meat. she just says, you know, William she says William Stewart oh dude you are in trouble it's the same thing when God repeats what we read and here we read here verse three here verse four here here therefore O Israel and observe to do it I love the word observe it has so many different meanings it's the same word used in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission where he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. To observe is to, to do it, to be involved in it. Here it's talking about to be religiously focused on it. When I say religiously, I don't mean religious in the spiritual sense. I mean like there is nothing more important. Let me talk a little I bring him, I come here, and I put him straight. No can him. Right here. Look right here. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. The words in the first verse, the commandments, the statutes, the judgments. Why? That it might be well with thee, that things might go good for you, and that you might be increased. You increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. And I think Moses probably pointed his hand as they're looking across the Jordan River on that great plain, very wide, long distance. All of these Israelite people thinking, way over there, way over there. He's saying, Obey God now. Obey God when you cross that river, and God will bless you. And then he gives the Shema, hear Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I, I, I think we need to remember this, that when he says hear and observe to do, hear and do, we need to remember this all through, not just my message this morning, but through your life. It's not just words, but it's action. Hear and do. Hear and do. If you hear it only and you don't do it, it's useless. If your Bible after Sunday gets folded up and stuck on a shelf or some table in the house or under the chair or left in the if you have a vehicle it's left in your car all the time, it does you no good. An open Bible is what makes a difference. And you open that word and you read it and then you do it. That's how we would start this. I like to put it this way the life you live is the life you teach. The things you say may not make so much impact. But if what you say is backed up by what you do, it'll make an impact here. Second, I want you to see love, verse 5. Moses addresses the nation as a group in verse 1. He uses the word you in our King James Bible. You is a plural word. But thee, thy, and thou are singular. Finger point is coming straight. It is to the nation, but I think to each father And he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Love the Lord thy God. You're familiar with that. This is exactly what Jesus quoted when the young man came to him and he said, what what is the greatest commandment? It's the last week of Jesus' life. What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus doesn't say anything about the Sabbath. But just let that rest. If Jesus went to the market to preach, he wouldn't say one thing about the Sabbath. You know what he says? This right here. He quotes this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And then the guy only asked for one, and Jesus gave him. He goes, and there's another one. And he goes way over into Leviticus, and he says, and the other one is, love your neighbor as yourself. You grasp that. You've got the whole law. Nothing about a Sabbath. I just say that for our context. This is what's important. Love the Lord your God. Dads, listen to me. If he is not your God, he will not be your children's God. If he is your God in name only or he's your God just because you drive the kids or you ride with the kids to church, but he's not your God in the house, he will not be your children's God. Jesus quotes this. Moses said, all your heart, all your soul, all your might. That word all is an inclusive word. Papa John, I can't do that. Great news. Neither can I. But it's the trajectory. It's the effort. It's the desire. Is that your desire? God, I can't do this. God, help me. That's what God's looking for. You're not a dad. You're a mom. You're, you're a young person. Listen, God's calling you to the same thing. Loving Jesus with everything you've got, all of your being. It will transform your life. Because one of the things it'll do is as you love him, you'll find out that that, that response is it's going to flow out in other people. And you're not alone in the love. Uh, John, This in 1 John four nineteen. We love him because he first loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loved first. Now, because of his love, I can love him back. It wasn't that we were trying to find God, it was that God was already after us. He sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins, paid for every single sin in your life, no matter how bad you think it is. Jesus paid for that sin. And in paying for that, all you have to do is trust him for that payment. Salvation is not about going to heaven. That is a side benefit. Salvation is being made right with God. You, if you are not a believer, you, if you have never trusted Christ, you, God's words, you are an enemy of God. And you don't want to be God's enemy. God wins every time. But here's God When we were enemies, we were reconciled. Romans 5, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Why did Jesus die? So He could hold God and hold us. God's holiness, our sinfulness, take it to Himself and connect us back to God for everyone who will believe in Him. Not everyone who joins a church or keeps some kind of law. No, it's Christ. It's His death for you and you believing that and that's it will transform everything that's where this comes in love the lord your god dad's a father loves and a father learns he hasn't achieved it and he loves and he learns and he leads because if you're a real dad you're like you want your son you want your daughter to come where to go where you are where you're going and as For you new believers in Christ, as you grow in Christ, one of the greatest thrills you'll have is to turn around and find somebody to walk with you and to say, this is great, come with me, come, you won't believe this, come with me. It's it's Christ working in you, makes you want to bring somebody else. And if you're a parent, who better than to bring your children? Who better than to bring your your spouse along with you? I got to ask you this question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus, dads? Would your children say, my dad loves the Lord? Would your grandchildren say, my, my boo-boo loves the Lord? If you've never trusted him, they, you don't, they don't see that relationship. Do that now, right where you're sitting. It's not jump up and run around the building or make some kind of special prayer and say, no, God, I, you're touching my heart, Holy Spirit, right now. I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe he rose again. And I'm, I can't do this, God. And he's like, I've been waiting for you to say that. And I'll save you right there, right now, sitting in that chair. And some of you, I believe, that, and you've never told anybody. I'll give you a story. My parents divorced when I was a small boy. And my mom remarried. And my stepdad was a really hard man. A few years later, I got saved. When I got saved, it was just in my heart. I had to tell my mom and dad, my sister. So I told my mom, and my mom was very religious and never, never trusted Christ. She died lost without Jesus. Very religious, but nothing. Wouldn't She was always like, I don't need to hear it. Don't tell me. I'm all right. My stepdad was different. My stepdad was hard, and he would just put his finger at me, and he would go, you're going to change. Don't give me this junk. You're just a young man. You don't know what it's like. You will change. You'll give all this stuff up few years later, I'm married to Mom Lena, and boys come along, and we, we're trying to rear them, as we'll talk here in a minute in the text, trying to rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and he would, same thing, same finger, you, you'll change, you'll give that up, I've seen it, nobody keeps that up, this is years went by, more years went by, and the finger stopped coming up. And every opportunity that I felt the liberty, I would share the gospel with him again and again. And in the last year of his life, he had a massive heart incident. It wasn't really a heart attack, but he was in his car, and he crashed into a pole, and by God's grace, an emergency thing, thanks St. John's, was right behind him. And the guy got out, jumped, drags my dad out of the car, and revived him. Well, Dad couldn't stay with my mom. She had a stroke, so Dad had to come stay with us. And Dad had to listen through devotions. And Dad had to be there for all those things. And there was one night, one night, that I was just there with him, and we were just talking about different things, and then he began asking spiritual questions. I took the Scriptures, this Bible, I laid it in his lap, and we went through... Here's what it is and he goes if what you're saying is true your mom is not right with God and I said dad I've been trying to tell her that for 20 some years And his mind would drift in and out and his mind drifted out right then and he was gone and I was like oh, we were so close But here's what happened as his health declined rapidly I was pastoring in the states had a missions conference and had a speaker the speaker the guest speaker had pastored church a church where my dad grew up, I place straight, knew everything about my dad's place. We went to visit my dad in the hospital, and this brother, Jim Griggers, he said, so I hear you're not a believer. I mean, that's because that's how you talk to my dad. I hear you're not a believer. And my dad was like, that's not true. I am so. And Jim said, tell me about it. And my dad gave a testimony to my friend that he never gave to me. I've been thinking about this a long time. I really think this Jesus, I think Jesus, and I was, and I, mom and I were up beside him at the head of the bed, he couldn't see us, and we looked back and forth at each other, and I literally went, and Jim's at the foot of the bed talking to dad, and then I saw, I knew Jim, he was a smart guy, Jim changed the subject, hey, you ever been to this place? My dad was like, shh, I was there long before you were born, son, and they went back and forth, just having a good time, and then Jim came right back, he goes, so tell me about your belief. And my dad began to sit more. And I'm like, where did this come from? So then finally I was like, Dad, you never told me. And he goes, well, I believe it. Now, Can I say this? He died a month later. If I hadn't had that exchange with my friend Jim and my dad, I would today wonder. All those gospel moments with my dad, all the times through my life, 27 years I shared the gospel with my dad. And he never told me. But by God's grace, that day he told my brother Jim, and when and I I heard it with my ears, and to this day I have rejoiced, and I rejoiced with him that day in the hospital. But if you haven't told your family that you trust Jesus because you are afraid you're going to fall, don't do that. It's cruel. It's cruel. Suppose you die, people will stop the house crying, a cry, and a cry on top will cry. Because people think the say, you stop Little hellfire straight because you never trusted Jesus. If you've trusted him, tell your family. It is one of the greatest gifts you will ever give. You're like, but then I've got to live like it. Hey, brothers, that's what I'm calling us to. Man, I'm calling us to live up to it. You can't live up to it, but Jesus in you can. The Spirit of God will let you. I just wanted to encourage you with that. Tell somebody. I love what Joshua said. Most of us know the verse. Choose, if if it be evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, you do what you want. But choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That decision Joshua made is at his deathbed. He's at the end of his life. Don't wait to the end of your life to declare that. Declare it now. Step up and live for it. Family, when dad steps up, when boo-boo steps up, come up behind him. We're going to walk with you, dad. We're going to walk with you, boo-boo. Wife, step up beside him. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. You fall, I'm going to be there to help you get back up. This is what we do here. Love. Verse 6. Be. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. The idea Moses is getting to here is that these words, the words of God, shall be in, our, in your heart that you can be that person. There's a thoughtful obedience to the Word of God. It's God's words in your heart, and then you putting God's words into practice. It's not just what you do, but who you are. You see, Christianity in this world at large is something that people think is something that people do. And You watch a movie or TV, they make fun of it. Or they always show a Catholic priest, and you're like, you do that, and they either show how holy he is, but then we all go, he's a Catholic priest, and he doesn't live in the real world. Or they make the Catholic priest out to be a bad guy, and he's evil and whatever, and yet all Christians are the same. That's how Hollywood movies, television paints Christians. We can show them what Christians really are, people that love God and love their neighbor. People that are faithful in their homes and faithful to their husbands and their wives. People who train their children and love their children. We we need to show them, because that's biblical Christianity, and and can I tell you, this is biblical Judaism. This is 3,400 years old, these ideas. They didn't come up yesterday. When you mess up, Dad, can I say this? As a dad who's messed up a a, a thousand times would be not enough. When you fail it, you've got to own it. When you fail, apologize. And when you fail, you make it right. And when you've done that, you move forward. You don't dwell in it. You get up. You're like, I'm afraid I would fail. Dad, deal with the sinful issues. If they're private, you deal with them in private. You and God. If they're public, you deal with them in public. If they're with your family, you fix it. Anger, laziness in spiritual things. Some of us, honestly, problems with alcohol, unhealthy living. So many things. The Spirit of God right now is probably putting a finger point on something in your heart. You've got to admit that you need God's help daily. You need to be in the Word. This isn't an option. You want to serve God, you've got to know God. You want to know God, you've got to know His Word. You're like, man, this takes time. Everything good takes time. But oh, can I tell you, from experience. I've been a dad for how many years? How old are you? 43 years, I've been a dad. I'm a grandfather, and now my grand one of them's got married. I may be a great grand booboo before too long. Don't worry about him. He's just going to be a grandfather. Look how old I'm going to be. But you get the point? It's worth it. I'm telling you, every moment is worth it. There's pain, there's heartache, there's failure, there's rejoicing, and there's victory. It's all there. Dad, I'm telling you, stretch yourself, trust Jesus, put Him first lead your family, lead your home. 7, verse 7. I'm going to break this in two. There's two words here. I've said hear and love, be, because you need to be before you do. Then he says teach, verse 7, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Teaching this. These things that you're learning, you're like, I, I don't know if I can learn enough. You know what discipleship is? Being one step ahead of the person you're discipling. To me, that's the definition. Teaching somebody, because I'm one step of you, you. We walk single file the trails back at place. You had to do that. When you when there's something across the trail that's not visible, you'd be like, root, rock, snake. Because the guy behind you might not see it. He might be looking off to the side. He might, whatever. And you just, you're one step ahead. That's what discipleship is. Is you're just telling people about what you're learning. They can be one step or ten steps behind you. But you just, what you, what you just saw, you tell this person right here. This is what you do with your children. You're like, oh, I'm just learning myself. Keep learning. And what you learn, teach them. Show them. Show them it is genuine. This thing is real. I don't make this up. This is my Monday to Friday and my Saturday as well as my Sunday. Christian life is real, whatever I'm doing. Routine means part of your family's life. Repetitive means repeating it until they get it. It's, I tell our students at Baptist Bible Institute at Port Moresby, it's not, it's not taught until it's caught. You can say, I taught my children not to do this, really, and they just did it. They, you didn't teach them. You said it. Well, I said it 10 times. We'll say it 12, 14, 50. It's not taught. Until it's caught, until they get it. Devotions, having family devotions. Let me give you just a quick help about doing devotions. Number one, study Greek and Hebrew. And when you are fluent in the biblical languages, then you. No, don't bother with that. I'm being funny. Same thing. Open the Bible, pick an easy passage. And here's five quick pointers about how to have devotions with your children. Be brief. You don't have to do this 50-minute uh, preachment, okay? Five minutes, two minutes, one verse, two verses, be brief. Second, be enjoyable. The younger your children, the more you have to act. I don't remember how much Pastor Matt and his brothers remember, but I was the fool teaching Bible in devotions because I would just be everything. I'd be, I'd be the whale. I'd be Jonah inside. Eee. I, I, just make it enjoyable the younger they are now if you have children that are 15 16 years old probably not going to go too much for the whale but make them enjoyable like make it real third be serious about it don't be like it doesn't matter alright alright give me read reading Bible alright thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates okay thank you God bless me let me pray amen be serious about it. Like this, whatever the verse is, pick something that's a- applicable. But just make it, make it serious. And then the fourth thing, be real. Connect it to life as it is. Not every verse that you read or study together as a family is going to connect to something. But many times there's something that happened in your family, something that happened in life, something that happened in school, and there will be something. Connect the dots. Let your children know that Scripture and life are connected they're connected. The longer you do this, the better you pick things up. Can I tell you, and I'm sure Pastor Matt would be first to admit it, some of our devotions as a family were the most boring times ever, and we just did it because we had to do it. But did you know what life is made up of? A lot of boring things. You're like, well, God shouldn't be boring. He's not boring. He's routine. We're the ones that get bored. The routines of life is where you learn it. You just stay after it, you stay after it, why? Because three boring days might be followed by four awesome, wow, that was the coolest devotions dad we've ever had. And you just keep after it, you don't stop. Well, like him. Because you're the dad, you're the leader. When your child rules your house, he is now the dad and you go ahead and let him make all the decisions but then you put him on the bus and send him to work. And when he brings home the paycheck on the fortnight, he can tell you what to do. But he's not doing that. He is your child. You train him. Grandfather, can I give this to you guys, that's something that nobody told me when I was growing up and raising my children. Job prayed for his adult children. We don't know if they were married, but they were out of his house. And in his prayers in Job 1, he says, I'm praying for my children because I don't know what Could have happened in their lives. And so he prayed for them. He gave offerings to God for his children. I didn't realize this, but when my sons moved out of the house and got married, I pray more for them now, it feels, than I did when they were little. Because in the house, at least, I had them there. And I don't know what the temptations are. I don't know what their trials are. I don't know what things are coming into their life. So praying for their protection from God, but praying for God's hand of blessing to be on them. As a grandfather, that has become my burden. So boo-boo, you're like, my kids are grown, they're gone. Then you need to be in prayer for them. You need to love them. They they need to, when they come to your house or you are at their house, they need to see a new boo-boo, one whose life Jesus has transformed. Ephesians 6, 4, we're familiar with it. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Can I say this about provoke not your children to wrath? Never correct your child until your heart is right, ready. That is a Paul Tripp statement. You don't correct your children. They do something wrong. Don't correct them until your heart is ready. Now, you've got two children and they're squabbling and fighting. Put them in separate rooms. Just do that. So you, you stay there. And then you get your heart right and you focus. And then you go deal with the situation. But it is, it is, it is the wrong thing to pick up the stick right away and start wailing away. Provoke not them to wrath. My generation was hard and openly unfeeling. We were raised by the generation that had been through themselves the big war. My dad was a veteran of the war, fought in the South Pacific. My my boo-boos were born in the 1800s. Yeah, I'm an old man. But when you think about where those people came from and how they raised us, they survived the Depression where you had nothing. You had nothing. The money failed in their lives. The climate change that everybody screams about now. Nobody talks about the climate change globally in the 1930s. Globally, there was such climate change and drought that even America and its giant wheat fields were destroyed. The judgment of God fell on America in the 1930s. It, it, these, these aren't new things that was that generation that trained me, that raised me. They loved, but they never talked about it. I cannot remember how many times my mom or my dad ever said, I love you. I don't think I ever heard it. It doesn't make me less of a person. I knew they loved me, I knew they did. But God calls us to speak about it, but I'm talking about how I was raised. So when they used the rod, they used a lot of it out of frustration because they couldn't deal with emotions. Emotions were something you kept to yourself. Anger, you kept it to yourself. Love, you kept it to yourself. Well, you can bottle up love and it doesn't usually boil over, but you can only bottle up anger so long and it boils over every time. And we were disciplined a lot of times out of anger. A lot of, a lot of whippings. They corrected us to have respect, and they corrected us to behave, but they never corrected us for our own benefit. It was always to make them look good. You know, down in all, that was just the way things were. I grew up in that. I married Mama Lena. And I'm in the military, and the military, Brother Phil, they just didn't tell us how to be nice and how to love. And so that very way I was brought up was magnified. And so I didn't do the best job with my sons. I corrected a lot out of anger. I wanted them to be right, do right. But I had a lot to learn about love, and it was a long process. I'm still learning. But you know what? Those of us with imperfections have a perfect God. And He's a perfect God who's able to take back the years the cankerworm worm has eaten. He's able to bring back the dust and breathe life into it. And every failure... It's just an opportunity for God to be God. And I tell you guys, press on. God is there, Dad. God is there, and he wants you to be successful as a dad for his glory. Be consistent as possible. None of us are perfect, but you do it. You just keep going. You just keep going. Why? Because this is what God's called us to do. The second half of the verse says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I love the phrase, bring them up. They're here, they need to be here. Dad, that's your job. They're here, they need to be here. Well, I'll send them to school and they'll go from grade two to grade three. I'll send them, they'll go grade three to grade four and on, on, that's fine. That's up in education. Are you bringing them up spiritually? Are you nurturing them? Are you educating them in the ways of the Lord? Admonition, is it correction? It's a gentle correction in the ways of the Lord. Are you doing it that way? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Training comes before correction every time. Training comes before correction every time. You should be training your children first and correct them from what they should have known from what you're training them. Now there's once in a while... The Allen boys were classic at this. One of the brothers used to say, we are not rule breakers, Dad. We are rule makers. They would find new ways to do things to get in trouble. So we'd have to have a new rule in the house. You can't do that. Oh, man. But the point is, if there's an established rule from Scripture, something we should be obedient to in Scripture, your responsibility, Dad, is to train them. Train them. Train them. And as you train them... When they go astray from that, you correct them, and most of your correction should probably be verbal. Now, the younger they are, the more difficult it is. I know that four-year-old, big head. When a four-year-old is big head, he's four or three or two. He's not listening. He's not listening. Then you use the stick, the backside blung Not on his head, not all over his body. Backside. Why? Pain wakes him up. Why? Scripture is, Proverbs is filled with that. With using the rod in the proper way. Do it. Get his attention. Got his attention. When he gets older, the rod is no longer needed. You speak. It's about training your children. You don't train him when he's four. When he's 15, you've got problems. In fact, you probably got problems by the time he's 10 or she is 10 because you hadn't got their heart. Can I take us back to that? Get their heart. Get their heart when they're little. We had four boys. They were four absolutely different children. No way they could have all come from the same mama and same papa. But there was one that we just could not. It just like, how? This kid just every day finds something he can do wrong. And it was like, all I did was, it wasn't Pastor Matt. All I did was correct that boy. And one day, Mom, in her wisdom, said to me, she goes, do you realize how often you're correcting him? I'm like, all the time. And she goes, can we work to find something he's doing right so we can praise him? It was an eye-opener for me. I don't know where she heard it. I'd missed it. So now I started inspecting his life. Oh, he messed up. I'm going to let that one go. I messed up. I'm going to let that go. Hey, look at that. Hey, son, you, you put your clothes on properly. You didn't put your shirt on backwards. and You didn't you know put your shoes on the opposite feet. And began looking for that. Did you know it was transformative in his life? It was transformative for me to look for things that he did well. Sorry, Pastor Matt. Among the boys, he was the smartest in his educational exams. He was brilliant. Music you hand him an instrument and give him a little while he will play it anything wind instruments stringed instruments piano keyboard anything he touched it he could play it he was brilliant but he was so much energy when he was small it was so much work to keep him in line until we figured out we need to find a way to praise this boy there's so many things i could talk to you about child training i just get this you dad you step up step up if you don't do it nobody else is going to do it forget the the morons in America that say it takes a village it doesn't take a village it takes dad and it takes mom and if you're a single parent then God knows that and if you're a single mom God will help you with that if you're a single dad God will help you with that but you got a mom and dad and if you especially if you have good boo-boos in on it you guys do it raise the children in the nurture bring them up in the nurture and admonitions of the lord proverbs 29 says correct thy son and he shall give thee rest Yea, or truly he will give delight to your soul number one some of us would like rest when you're training your children but how much more you get rest because he's been corrected not because straight <laughs> straightened him and penis now no You're like, you corrected him, and the next time he had the opportunity to do it, he didn't do it. Or as soon as he did, he was like, Dad, I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, son, I got rest. You got that. And he gives delight to your soul, because one day they will grow up, and they might become your pastor. Train your children. Imperfect, keep training. Last. Last we're talking about hear and love and be and teach but the last one is talk talk verse 7 thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children and talk of them when When thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up when, when do we talk about God all the time anywhere oh, we had the game good talk about the game great game Talk about what's happened with cousin, auntie, and uncle. Talk about it. Talk about it. But it should be just as natural to talk about the things of God. Oh, kids. This morning, I was reading my devotions. I read this verse. This is really good. And sometimes ask them, what do you think that means? Let their little brains begin to think. Or kids, look at this, God just answered this prayer. We've been praying for this person, and and God has, they got saved, they trusted Jesus. Or, we've been praying for this person, they've been sick, and they just went home from the hospital today. Or Or, you talk about the things of God like they are part of your life, because, well, they are a part of your life. Talk about it. And I just love where he says it, sitting down, rising up. When you lie down, just, it's normal. Make it normal to do that. Make God's words part of your own life. Then it'll be part of their life. Everywhere, anytime. Everywhere, anytime. I like to say it this way. You better reach them while they're young. And to do that, you better teach them while they're young. Because one day they're going to be past the point of where you can train them, where you can reach them. And you better get them now. So can I ask you this? Are you, are you listening to God's voice through his word? Dads? But anyone, are you listening to his voice? Is he speaking to you through his word? Do you demonstrate that love that comes from loving God? Do you demonstrate that to your family, to your spouse? And is your belief in Christ known to your family? Do they know? Are you afraid to tell them? Don't be afraid to tell them. And is your walk consistent with your talk? Are you teaching or training? Those are some questions I have for you this morning as I give it back to Pastor Matt. Let's bow our heads. This morning, I give you an open invitation. Some of you know and you would want to come and pray at the front. You feel that would be a way to strengthen a resolve. I invite you to come. For some of you this morning, you need to make a decision. I'll give that to Pastor Matt's leading. Father, we are grateful to be your children, and you are the perfect example of a father. How I pray for my brothers, the men here that are fathers, or fathers to be. Someday they will be dads. God, you would work in their hearts. Lord, this morning we need Jesus more than anything as dads. We need him for our strength, and we need him in our failures. But I'm thankful, God, you always stand with us. You never leave. You never forsake. Lord, bless this time in Jesus' name.
1: This morning, if you could stand with me for a time of invitation. The piano's going to play softly, and I'd like to invite dads to just come to the altar and pray, uh, perhaps for yourself or your family. Um, But could you stand with me? and? Would love to see some dads come and pray. God, let me be one who stands and teaches, does, loves. Oh, Father, you see our hearts and you know our desire to show the love to our children. Some of us as we cross over into grandchildren as well. Lord, I thank you for this chance for these men to come together and pray. Lord, I pray that you would take our lives, our families, Perhaps this morning you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or perhaps you've never made it public. You've never told your family. Could I ask you to just raise your hand? You say, Pastor, I'd love to talk to somebody about it. Dad. Is there another? Phil? Is there another you say, I'd love to talk to somebody? Just raise your hand. Is there another you just say, I'd like to talk to somebody. I want to make sure my family knows that I'm following Jesus. Is there anybody else? I know that there are several moms here today that wish that their husbands had heard today's message. Moms, I want you to know that we love you and we're praying with you. Might encourage you, if you have the ability, point your husband to listen to the message online. It will be online this afternoon. I already know some folks that I'm going to share that message with. Oh, Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather and be reminded that we have a godly heritage in our hands, and we must pass this on. If I don't do it, I can't expect somebody else to. Father, I thank you for your grace upon our lives, and thank you for the goodness that you've shown upon us. I pray now that as we move from our worship time into a discussion time, may you be glorified. Thank you for these who have come this morning to put their trust in Christ and make that public. I pray that you would be glorified in that also.
0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Potomacville. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 7009-1000. Again, it's 7009-1000.